Support for this podcast comes from Harrington Interactive Media, which helps businesses and nonprofits rise above the noise and sell. Digital marketing is confusing, so schedule a complimentary discovery session with them and get a handle on your marketing plan. Mention the New Canaan Society when you schedule your call at harringtoninteractive.com. This is the New Canaan Society podcast for the Franklin, Tennessee chapter. We are a group of men who gather together to encourage each other in friendship and in faith, and to support each other to be better husbands, fathers, and better men in the marketplace and in our communities. Friendship at NCS happens through our regular meetings in local chapters all across the country. The Franklin, Tennessee chapter meets the first and third Thursday each month at Puckett's Grocery and Restaurant in downtown Franklin from 7 to 8 a.m. This week, we heard from Michael Card, who gave a talk entitled Lament in Worship, a meditation on Psalm 73. We're a group of guys who are who know that, uh, that change comes slowly in our lives. Uh, we believe that Jesus in the center of life uh, makes a difference and, and brings the kind of change that makes us uh, uh, human beings and makes us fit to live with other people. Uh, a lot of us have uh, experienced in our life uh, what has become deadly isolation. Um, and it's a, it's a, it's a death-inducing uh, kind of isolation. Uh, you know what I'm talking about if you're a guy. Uh, and we have discovered or are discovering that there's a solitude that prepares us to live in community. Um, I've been thinking a lot about who we are as a tribe of men. And this one sums it up uh, to me. Uh, we, are, we are sons of our father in search of our brothers. Right, you know, and sons of our father in search of our brothers, and there there are so many guys that need to be found, not only by Jesus but by another brother. Um, I was asking a friend yesterday, and a, a, a friend introduced me to a new guy who is a friend. I I guess I see everybody that way now, um, which is a good thing. And I said, "What's the greatest disappointment of your life?" And he's 54 years old. And he said, "You know, I haven't yet been able to accomplish the things that I am good at." And I go, well, "What are you going to do when you're 83 and can just sit on the rocking chair on the porch and you can't do anything? You know, is your purpose for life going to be over, or is it going to be as rich then as it was when you were active and all the muscles still worked and everything else was going on just fine?" And I believe the answer to that is if we make the focus of our life loving the Lord our God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind and all of our strength, right, and our neighbor as ourself, we can do that even at the point in our life when all we can do is get to the rocking chair on the porch and rock the day away. So let's think about in our life the focus uh, that we need in order to be alive. Um, okay, so I'm going to shut up. Uh, this is my little sermonette for the morning. Thank you for listening. I believe in about a two-minute sermon because you can maybe remember something. Okay. Um, but we, where's Michael? Mike, Michael Card. Oh, Michael's over here. Michael was here this morning earlier, and he's still here, so I'm thankful for that. I didn't see you over there. <laughs> Michael just got back from, uh, from Alaska, so he's worn out and uh, isn't responsible, he says, for what uh, you remember him saying this morning, uh, 
but we trust the Holy Spirit. The last time that he was here, he spoke to us about Hesed, uh, Hesed, uh, the loving kindness of the Lord, which is why I wanted to sing that song with you guys this morning. Uh, I'll never forget what you said that day because it has been profoundly uh, important in my life uh, for a long, long time. Michael uh, got to meet uh, my mom and dad, and they were... Uh, for him, for me, for so many people, a shining light in the little a little um, village of Green Tree outside of Quarryville, Pennsylvania, that nobody ever heard of. Uh, yeah, except for Les Stulsey, that other Amishman back there, and uh, and just beautiful things that come from it. Um, Michael, come! I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get out of the way here. C- come. Uh, share with us whatever's on your heart this morning. Um, in case I forget to say this at the end, uh, some of you guys are supposed to remind us to put money on the table for the wait staff. So let's not forget our brothers who help us with the food. Michael? Yeah, and if you had ever met Wes's parents, you'd totally get Wes. Yeah. I mean, I mean in a good way. I didn't mean I wouldn't be in. Stephen Sadie. Sadie, his mom, was an angel. I mean, she was an angel, yeah. And they live right next to the Zooks there in Quarryville. So, yeah, the Yoders, the Yoders and the Zooks. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I want to share uh, one of those super, super structures of the Bible, one of, the, one of the, um, uh, the patterns that goes right from Genesis to Revelation, if that's okay with you. Uh, it's to, it's, well, I'm, if it's not with okay with you, I'm still going to do it. Um, <laughs> let, me, let me start by saying that in about 1986, my sister uh, Carolyn had a, little, uh, had a baby, and that baby had every birth defect a baby could have. He was blind, he was hydrocephalic, he had an open spine, he lived two months and died. And I'm the Bible teacher in the family, so I've got all kinds of Bible verses I'm quoting, and God's really been gracious to us, and I'm right to understand this. Thirteen months later, she has a second child, another boy, and he's perfect, beautiful. At two months, he dies of a ruptured appendix, and I had nothing to say. I couldn't just, you know, explain that away, that suffering. And that's what started for me this, this, this uh, journey of trying to understand uh, how do we deal with our sorrow? How, we, how do we deal with our, our grief? How do we deal with our anger uh, towards God and certainly towards our enemies? And to my great amazement, I discovered that that's what most of the Bible is helping us understand. Most of the Psalms are laments, numerically. Most of the Psalms are saying, when I needed you the most, that's when you were the farthest from helping me. Now, we, we don't sing those Psalms, and we don't preach on them very often, but that's what so much of the, of the Bible is about, so, so much of what the Word is about. So what I want to do is give you sort of a superstructure, uh, the big structure from Genesis to Revelation, and then I want to read the, the roadmap of the Psalter, uh, Psalm 73. It's the psalm that's right in the middle. You know how when you say, Lord, we need you to speak to us today, and you open your Bible, and it always falls open to the psalms because that's what's in the middle, Right? miraculously. But this psalm is in the middle of, of the very middle. It's the first psalm of book three in the Psalter. So that's, that's the plan, okay? So the premise is this. Here's the premise. Take this away. The Bible is taking us somewhere. Do you really believe that? The Bible is taking us somewhere. It's on a journey. We're going somewhere with this, you guys. So I'm going to, uh, you got to use your imagination. I'm, I'm going to draw a line. Ready? Got this? Man, your faces aren't saying anything. Okay. Here's your line. 
Starts with Genesis on this end. Revelation on that end. Good? Psalm 1 on this end. Psalm 150 on that end. Job 1 on this end. Job 42 or 3 on this end. That's the journey. We begin in Genesis, first five books, the Torah. We begin in Psalm 1, which is a psalm that celebrates the law. We begin in Job 1. Job is a a man of, of, of Torah obedience. He gives sacrifices for sins his children might have committed. And it works. He lives his life according to an equation. Oh, if I'm obedient, God will bless me. If I'm disobedient, God will punish me. Right? That's Torah. That's Torah. And that's where all our journeys begin. Unfortunately, some Christians don't understand that the law is a good thing. I mean, Jesus comes to fulfill the law, certainly, but the law is a good thing. It's perfect. God gave it to us. But that is just where our journey, this journey from Genesis to Revelation, that's where our journey begins. You understand what I'm saying? My, do- my oldest daughter is, uh, is uh, Katie. She's 30, 30 now. When she was a little kid, I tell her, Katie, you clean up your room, I'll give you some M&M's. You don't clean up your room, I'm going to whack you. That's Torah. Right? If you're obedient, I'm going to bless you. If you're disobedient, I'm going to punish you. That's where our journey always begins. And that's a good thing. But how many people get stuck there? They think that all God is is the M&M man. He gives us good things when we're good and he whacks us when we're bad. And what they don't understand is the Bible is taking us somewhere. It begins with Torah obedience. And that's a good thing. But it ends with intimacy with God. Right, what the, you know, Revelation, climax of, climax of Revelation, uh, I will walk with them and be their God, and they'll be my people, and I'll walk away, I wipe away every tear. I mean, where we're headed to this thing is to a, a wedding feast. God loves us so much, He'd rather die than live without us. He loves us so much, He wants to be married to us. That's the journey from Torah obedience to intimacy with God. Job 1 begins with Torah obedience. Where does Job end up? He says, You know, my ears had heard about you, but now my eyes see you. That's the miracle of the book of Job is the movement of God. In chapter one, he's in the throne room. In chapter 43, he's with Job. That's the miracle, the movement of God. And that's where we're going. That's the journey we're on from Torah obedience to intimacy with God. So the big question is, what's the central section of the journey? What's this part of the journey? The central section of the journey is wilderness. That's where everything happens in, in, in the Bible. Everything happens in the wilderness. We, we got this with, uh, with uh, the children of Israel in Exodus, right? Out of Egypt I've called my son. Let my people go so that they can worship me in the wilderness. Uh, the sonship of Jesus is established in the wilderness. The baptism and the temptation are really one story. Unfortunately, there's usually a chapter break in the Gospels. But that's one story. God declares the sonship of Jesus when he's baptized. You are my son. The very next thing that happens is, Mark says, the spirit drives him to the wilderness. He's driven to the wilderness. And what does Satan say? If you're the son of God, do this. If you're the son of God, do this. The sonship of Jesus is established in the wilderness. And I'm here this morning to tell you guys, our sonship is established in the wilderness. On this journey from Torah obedience... God being the M&M man, to intimacy with God, which none of us are there yet. Um, the central section of that journey is wilderness, and the language of that journey is lament. 
I'm here to tell you this morning, you are free to say anything to God that you need to say. Never does God in the scripture say to his children. One time he says it to some Philistines, but otherwise never to his children does he ever say, how dare you talk to me like that? You are free to say to God anything you need to say. Um, and if you don't have the language, he'll give you the language. I mean, at the point in his life when Jesus is most being used by God, what's he doing? He's lamenting. He's using the language of one of David's, David's laments in Psalm 22. So the language of where we are now is lament. And it's a lost language, and we need to learn to speak it again. And all, all this is to prepare, uh, prepare us for a read-through of Psalm 73. Uh, and I'm going to show you that, that this journey from Torah obedience to intimacy with God, is, the roadmap is Psalm 73, okay? So I'm going to read that to you. Um, it's the first book of, of Psalm 3. I mean, it's the book, first Psalm of Book 3, sorry. I still can't please, speak in complete sentences. 73.1. Indeed, God is good to Israel, to the pure in heart. What is that? That's Torah obedience. If you're good, God will be good to you. Right? If you're disobedient, he's going to punish you. So we start with Torah obedience. Indeed, God is good to Israel, to the pure in heart. But as for me, my feet almost slipped. My steps, steps nearly went astray, for I envied the arrogant. I saw the prosperity of the wicked. That's not the equation. The wicked, the disobedient, prospering, that's not, that's not from the equation, is it? Because in the equation, wicked people are punished, and obedient people are blessed. So there's a Houston, we have a problem. Um, I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have an easy time until they die, and their bodies are well fed. They're not in trouble like others. They're not afflicted like most people. Therefore, pride is their necklace, and violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge out from fatness. In the Old Testament, fat is a good thing. It's good to be fat. That means you're rich. Um, Their eyes bulge out from fatness. The imagination of their heart runs wild. They mock they speak maliciously. They arrogantly threaten oppression. They set their mouths against heaven and their tongues strut across the earth. Therefore, his people turn to them and drink in their overflowing words. Now they're going to mock God. The wicked say, how can God know? Does the Most High know everything? Look at them, the wicked. They're always at ease and they increase in their wealth. So part of, uh, I think this is Asaph. Yeah, part of Asaph's problem is he's a man of Torah obedience. He's committed to the equation. And then he sees, wait a minute, g- bad people are prospering. And, and now he's going to talk about his situation because he sees himself as a righteous man. Um, Did I purify and wash my hands in innocence for nothing? And that question assumes the answer, yeah, I did. Because I've been righteous and I've not been blessed the way I thought I'd be blessed. See, God is teaching Asaph that he's not the M&M man. On almost every page of the Hebrew Bible, God is saying, how can you think that that's all I am? The person who gives you good stuff when you're good and whacks you when you're bad. Did I purify my, my heart and wash my hands in innocence for nothing? I'm afflicted all day long and punished every morning. If I decided to say these things aloud, I would have betrayed your people. When I tried to understand all this, it seemed hopeless. That's the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon is the smartest man in the world. He can't understand why the equation doesn't always work. That's because he didn't understand the way we can understand that God is taking us someplace. Um, 
Then I understood their destiny. Indeed, you put them in slippery places. You make them fall into ruin. How suddenly they become a desolation. They come to an end, swept, swept away by terrors, like one waking from a dream. Lord, when arising, you will despise their image. Now here comes the apologies. And most, or a lot of the laments contain apologies. Job apologizes at the end of Job. You know, I said things I shouldn't have said. I'm just going to put my hand over my mouth. But those are still things that needed to be said. That's the point. David apologizes in Psalm 51. I shouldn't have said these things. They were too wonderful for me, right? But they were things that needed to be said. Anything you need to say to God, you can say to God. That's very important. He's our father. Um, So there's the apology. When I was embittered and my innermost being was wounded, I was stupid and I didn't understand. I was an unthinking animal towards you. Now watch what happens. Yet, and every one of the laments transitions into praise at the end, except Psalm 88. Psalm 88 laments all the way to the end. It's just to ruin my theory. So good until 88. But what happens in in a lament is the, the lamentor exhausts himself against God. He says all the things that needed to be said. And if you'll, if you'll notice, it's all I, 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 or they, 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 they. Who's missing? God. And what happens, there's a turn. You exhaust yourself against God, and the turn happens. And the turn happens in Psalm 73 and verse 23. Yet, and that's, the, that's where it turns. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, you will take me up into glory. See what happened? The journey happened from Torah obedience to intimacy with God. You. And my question to you is, the guy who's speaking in verse 23, is that the same guy who said the first 17 verses? Where all he did was complain about how things weren't going right? What has happened? Do you see what I'm saying? Is this the same person? Because it sounds like a completely different man to me. What has happened? He's been on this journey. He's discovered that God is more than just the imminent. You know, the wicked, God's going to take care of that. If you're you're struggling with that, God's going to take care of that. Do you feel like you've been given an an unfair hand, been dealt an unfair hand? Guess what? He's going to take care of that. right? He's going to take care of that. The truth is he loves you more than you could possibly imagine. And he's taking you and me on a journey towards intimacy with him. Right? Um, So I'm always with you. Uh, You hold me by my hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards you will take me up into glory. Who do I have in heaven but you? I really want you to get this, guys, the, the, the transformation that's happened in his language from complaining and bitterness to a new intimacy with God. That is where we're going. That's the journey. If we'll stick with this word and, and stick with uh, our, our fellowship and, and encouraging each other, that's the journey we're all on. I don't know where you, where you are in your particular journey right now. But uh, that's where we're going with this. I promise you, on the authority of his word, I promise you that that's where we're going. So you, um, who do I have in heaven but you? And I desire nothing on earth but you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. Those far from you will certainly perish. You're going to deal with that. It's not my job. 
It's not my job to deal with the wicked. That's your job. Not my job, job to judge, judge people. It's my job to love people. Okay? But as for me, God's presence is my good. That's the end of the journey. So this is a wonderful roadmap of this, of this journey. As for me, God's presence is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge so I can tell about all you do. So I'm just, I, I just want to encourage you all with this morning. The Bible's taking you someplace. You may feel right now like you're not going anyplace with this. That's because you're in the wilderness. And that's where God validates us as his sons and daughters. That's where he makes us, he, that's where he makes us his son. That's where we learn this language of lament. That's when we learn that we're going someplace. And let's go there together. How about that? Let's, let's, let's go through this journey of the wilderness together. So let me pray. Amen. Hey. Lord Jesus, um, we come before you as your men who need to be made wise with the wisdom of your word. We come to you as men who are uh, uh, afraid and confused, as men who are lonely, as men who are needy. And we come to you, Lord Jesus, trusting and believing and knowing you're taking us somewhere. So help us to make this journey together. Help us to uh, see your word. Let it tremble in our hands from this point on. Help us to realize that you, you have an intention. You, you have a purpose for us. That you are more than the M&M man. You're the, more than the one who just gives us things when we're good and punishes us when we're bad. You're the one who wants to walk with us and be our God. And, and we to be your people. You're the God who's taking us somewhere. And, and we trust you on that journey. Uh, even in the middle of the wilderness. Even in the desert. Lord, we trust you. Because you are so good to us. You, you know you know lament, Lord Jesus. You know tears. And you use suffering to save the world. So use our confusion. Use our suffering. Use our woundedness. Use anything, any part of us that you can use. We, we pray that you would use that this morning. Uh, we leave this morning with nothing but thanksgiving in our hearts. There's nothing but thanksgiving in our hearts for you this morning, Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys. You thought you were going to get away that easily, right? I thought maybe you had a question. <laughs> um, that was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, that was just joyful uh, to think about our sorrows being redemptive and all that. But I had a question for you. Um, uh, we all know, we both know a little bit about each other's stories in, in life. Um, how did you come to learn for yourself the language of lament? Wow. How did I learn? Well, it started. It started with my sister, when I had no answers. Uh, I thought a lot of people think Christianity is all about answers. They think Jesus is the answer man. Got got news for you. That's not what he came. He didn't come to give us answers. He came to give us himself. Job has lots of really good questions, and when God appears, he has every opportunity to answer those questions. What does God do? He asks a bunch of harder questions. His questions are harder than any of Job's, and so I. I think for me, it, it, it began with my sister, but I, I replaced this old M&M image of God who was the answer man with this image of the God who really loves me and has an intention for my life and who's taken me someplace. The idea that the Bible's taking, taking me someplace is a really, that's a big idea, y'all. It's a big idea. Yeah. 
I think the, um, the lines that start coming on our faces when we're this age and some of the brothers are older uh, are for two purposes. One, uh, they, are, they are the way smile, smiles are formed, but before that, they're the track of our tears. And so um, we really love you, Michael. Amen. Thank you for, for all the contributions that you've made in, in this community uh, to us here. I think this is your third time. We're going to keep calling you uh, from time to time. I'll be back like a toothache. Uh, there you go. And, and uh, we just want you to know we love you. We'd give uh, a, another blessing to Michael. <laughs> you've been listening to the New Canaan Society podcast for the Franklin, Tennessee chapter. Once you've subscribed to this podcast, Rate us on Apple Podcasts to spread the word. And remember to check out Harrington Interactive Media, the sponsor for this podcast. Schedule a complimentary discovery call with them and take your marketing to the next level. Mention the New Canaan Society when you go to harringtoninteractive.com. Music